Good morning. If you'll reach for your Bibles with me for today's scripture reading and turn in your Bibles to Psalms chapter 121. As Pastor Bruce mentioned earlier, we'll be starting in a new series, Summer in the Psalms. If you're in need of a Bible, there's a pew Bible located in front of you. You can find today's scripture reading on page 612, Psalms 121, Psalms 121, follow along as I read. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither, will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Father, we praise you, Lord, that you are an everlasting God. Lord, that you are promise maker and promise keeper, Lord, and that you will hold your chosen people, Lord, those that have put their faith and trust in your son, Father, in your hands forevermore. Lord, we praise you today. Open our eyes and open our hearts to your word and your message. Lord, may we cast out all fear and doubt. In your name I pray, amen. Let me start off by asking you, how did your journey of faith go this last week? Were you tempted? Were you tested? Did you fail? Were you wanting to quit, or perhaps like our students, did you have a mountaintop experience this past week? Well, we just finished last week a 19-week study of the life of Abraham, the God of promise and the life of faith. And last week we saw that even in death, that Abraham found that God was faithful to him. And as a church family, we lived that reality this past week with the burial of Mike Welch and the entering into hospice by Leonard Patrick. Do you realize that Leonard and Shirley have been members of our church for 50 years? Is that just awesome? Yeah, it is. That is just amazing. And so this morning, we're beginning a new series for the rest of the summer in the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms It's a fitting book to follow our study of Abraham because the Psalms put to music the promises of God which the faithful sing on their journey of faith. And Psalm 121 is a great song to begin our study because Psalm 121 is one of the 15 Psalms of Ascent. Uh, They are Psalms 120 to 134. And these are songs that Israel sang as they journeyed up to Jerusalem three times a year. That's why they're called Psalms of Ascent, Psalms of Ascending. Because wherever you were, Jerusalem was on a mountaintop and you would ascend up to the mountain of God to enter into the city of the king, Jerusalem, to enter into the presence of God in his temple. And like Israel, we as Christ followers are on a journey to joy into God's presence, in God's place, 
with God's people. That's the kingdom that is yet to come, where God's presence will be on this earth with his people, and we will be in his place, the new Jerusalem and the new creation. And our joy, as we just sang, our joy will be complete in his, pro- in his presence. Now, to be sure, we have joy now in the Lord. At least you should if you are following him. But our joy will be complete. And so we're on this journey to joy in order to see the triune God that we just sang about. This second Psalm of Ascents has us on the move as we begin our journey surrounded by dangerous mountains, by difficult terrain, by the searing heat of the burning sun, and by the fierce cold of moonlit nights. You see that when he says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. That's the context. In other words, that first part of that verse is saying there's a travel advisory for every Christ follower. And it's this, there is trouble every step of the way until we finally reach the new Jerusalem and the new creation. In fact, the Apostle Paul had these encouraging words for every church that he planted. He would look the new disciples in the eye and say this, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. God bless you, goodbye. And he would leave, surrendering them to the grace of God. On our journey here in Psalm 121, those suffering difficulties are those sufferings and difficulties that we encounter in our Christian walk are pictured as mountains or hills. This is metaphorical, but it's also literal. On our journey to joy, we have to pass over the mountains before us and we have to walk through the valleys that lie between them. The mountains that rise above and stand before us picture threats and temptations. That's why he says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains, not to find comfort, but because I see obstacles, I see danger, I see threats and temptations. As you travel on foot to Jerusalem or by a caravan of camels with your family or with your faith community, You can't help but look at the mountains and be overwhelmed by their majesty and their mystery. Students, you looked up to the mountains in awe from a security of a rental van or maybe a short hike up to the lakes or maybe a long hike, I don't know. But you did that. But the psalmist is looking at those mountains not with awe but with anxiety because he is on foot. They are in a caravan And they did not look with the eyes of a tourist, but with the eyes of a sojourner and a pilgrim. They looked at mountains filled with threats and temptations. The threats were to personal safety. Threats to personal safety on the journey. There was physical danger in those mountains. Robbers would hide in those hills, waiting to swoop down on unsuspecting travelers. And in our journey to joy... It seems that our world is increasingly hostile and opposed to those who follow Christ. Our spiritual safety and stability seems to be under constant threat. But there's also natural dangers in those hills. Traveling on foot, 
meant difficult terrain, the searing heat of the desert sun, the fierce cold of moonlit nights. And as we persevere in our following and our journey to joy, the physical, the emotional, the personal toll of the journey begins to wear us down. Am I right? And as we persevere in following Christ, maybe you have felt the heat of testing this past week. Maybe you are here in the cold of loneliness, though you're surrounded by people. Maybe you have faced the hardship of suffering. Maybe your journey got a little bit steeper this last week. Those are the threats, but there's temptations. There's temptations to false security in those hills. False tempta- the, the false security of idolatry because there was spiritual danger. Unbelieving people would worship false gods on the top of those hills. And so as they're journeying to Jerusalem to worship the one true God, they look up and they see altars to false gods. They see pagan worshipers doing unimaginable, unspeakable things in order to satisfy their God. And these were, these altars along the way could prove a temptation, could they not? I mean, why keep going all the way to Jerusalem? Why do that arduous climb up to Jerusalem? Well, there's an altar right there. Boy, it seems so much more comfortable. It seems so much more convenient. I mean, surely the Lord wouldn't want us to travel all the way to Jerusalem when we could just worship with these nice people on this mountain. You see, there's temptations we face on our journey to joy. Bowing to false gods like materialism, hedonism, relativism. Oh, we're on this journey, but maybe we just compromise truth here and there. Oh, we're going to Jerusalem, but let's gather material goods as much as we can here. Oh, we're going to Jerusalem to worship the true God, but I want to find my pleasure in the world. It's bowing and surrendering maybe to despair, thinking the journey is too long how much of a temptation it must be to go all the way to Jerusalem from perhaps the northern part of Israel and to think, well, maybe I'm just, it's, I'm just tired today and I'm just ready to quit. Or perhaps in our journey, we've been tempted to become self-righteous, looking at the false worshipers and thinking, I'm so much better, I'm going to Jerusalem. And rather than having compassion on those in the bondage to false gods and false idolatries, rather than having compassion, maybe we've become prideful and self-righteous and become gripers and complainers on our journey. And so the question becomes, who are you going to call when you need help on your journey to joy? Where does your help come from on your spiritual journey this morning? Where or who do you look to? And the answer is found in verse 2. My help comes from the Lord. Could we all say that together this morning? My help comes from the Lord. Psalm 46.1 says this, God is our refuge and strength and a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear 
Though the earth should change, and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride. Selah. But why the Lord? Why is the Lord the one to look to? Why him and not someone else or something else? And the answer is in the rest of this psalm, and it's this. The Lord is the greatest guardian of the galaxy who guards the godly like no other. You've heard of the guardians of the galaxy. Well, this is the greatest guardian of the galaxy, and he guards the godly like no other can. After identifying the Lord as the source of our help here in verse 2, this song explains why the Lord is our best help through threats and temptations that are all around us. Six times the same Hebrew word, shamar, is used. And you see in your notes, verse 3, 4, 5, 7, two times in there in verse 8. The ESV translates this word keep every time. And that is helpful because it tells us as English readers, this is the same Hebrew word. But you need to remember it means guarding, protecting, watching over, one who keeps and protects. And except for a few exceptions in the Bible, the Lord God always appears as the protector and defender of his own. He is their guardian in the sense that he keeps his obligations to protect and to watch over all who are faithful to him. In fact, one time, this word is even translated bodyguard in your Bible. Psalm 121 gives us three reasons why the Lord is the greatest guardian of the galaxy and the best bodyguard for believers. And let's look at those reasons this morning. The first is this, the Lord is our ready helper. He is our ready helper this morning. Verse 2, my help comes from the Lord. The Lord is more than ready to be our helper. Why? Because first of all, he's the ever-present redeemer. He is the ever-present. Don't skip over that Lord in all caps. That's the divine name, the covenant name of Yahweh. It's the name of the God who revealed himself to humanity and said, I am the one true God. I am who I am. I have the character such that you can trust me to help you, to rescue you, to save you, to deliver you. And not just do it in the past when you first trusted him, and not just in the future at your death when he takes you home to be in his presence, but the Lord is a very present help in time of need. The Lord is here. The I am God is the promise-keeping, ever-present Redeemer. And it's good for us sometimes to step back and just remind us of how ever-present He is to redeem us. The I am God was ready to provide a promise of salvation to Adam and Eve when they needed forgiveness and had first fallen 
The I am God was ready to provide an ark for Noah and his family and the promise of a rainbow, which is his emblem of gracious forgiveness and his emblem of coming judgment. But there is a way of salvation. The I am God was ready to provide a ram and the promise of a future lamb of God to Abraham as we learned when he was asked to sacrifice his own son. The I am God was ready to part the Red Sea when Moses and the nation of Israel had their backs against the sea and Pharaoh's army bearing down on them. The I am God was ready to help a young shepherd slay a giant with one smooth stone. The I am God was ready to keep the hair of three Hebrew men from being singed and even to keep the smell of smoke off their clothes as they stood in a fiery furnace. The I am God was ready to become a man and be crucified for the sins of the whole world and rose from the dead and ascended on high and sent his Holy Spirit. And there he rules, he redeems, he reigns, and he will return. The I am God was ready to stand up from his throne to welcome Stephen, the first martyr, as he was being stoned. And the I am God was ready to confront the hard-hearted persecutor Saul and convert him into the tender-hearted missionary Paul. That's our God. And he is an ever-present redeemer. And he is that for you if you will but trust him. The Lord is more than ready to be a very present help in our time and need. He alone is the ready helper because he alone is the ever-present redeemer. And this settled conviction, this confident assurance, my help comes from the Lord, is rooted not only in who God is, but what God did because he is also the all-powerful creator. He is the all-powerful creator who made heaven and earth. Now, this is the key to everything, folks. Our God is not just our redeemer, but he is the creator of everything and everyone. What does this mean for us? I want you to think about two truths in light of this. First is this, the Lord created everyone and everything. He's not just any God. He is the God. Before him, there was nothing. In the beginning was God. And he created heaven and earth. And so as we're on our journey, as we're traveling with the psalmist, ascending uphill to Jerusalem on this difficult terrain, he says, see those altars dedicated to all those gods on those mountains? Guess what? My God created those mountains. See those bad guys lurking up in the hills, waiting to jump us, take our money, and perhaps even take our lives? Guess what? My God gives them life, and he can take their life as he chooses. And one day he will, and he will judge them as they stand before him. It makes me think of our Lord's words in Luke 12.4. I say to you, my friends, don't fear those who kill the body and after that can do nothing more. But I will show you the one to fear. 
Fear him who has authority to throw people into hell after death. Yes, I say to you, this is the one to fear. But if you know him this morning, you don't have to fear him in that way because he's your helper. He's your ready helper. The world has nothing to offer us that will last after death. And it can do nothing to us that God can't resurrect and overcome. So here's the point. I look at the mountains and I remember my help comes from God Almighty, which means El Shaddai, mountain maker and mountain mover. I look at those high places and those altars dedicated to all sorts of false gods, and I remember greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And that's true in this life and the one to come. Why is that the case? Because there's no enemy that can come against you that he did not first create. And no power can threaten you that he hasn't already conquered in Christ. Amen? That's good news. We look to the future and we have no idea what lies beyond the next mountain. We don't know how many mountains we have yet to climb. We don't know how deep the valleys may be ahead of us. But this I do know. My God created them. And nothing comes into my life that he did not first allow and it did not first pass before his throne. The Lord is the maker of heaven and earth. And that means as high as you go, he is there. As low as you go, he is there. He is the maker of heaven. That means he's large and in charge. He is the maker of earth. That means he's near to hear and he cares and he listens and he knows, but he's big enough to do something about it. That is our God. He is all powerful and all present at all times, whatever may come in your journey. So whatever your faith journey was this week, Whatever it may be tomorrow, you have a ready helper. Our guardian is the guardian of the galaxy. You know why? Because he created the galaxy, and it is his. He's an ever-present redeemer, all-powerful creator. But he's also the Lord is our willing keeper. He's not only our ready helper, always ready to help, always there, always present, but he's also our willing keeper, who always watches over us. We see this in verses 3 through 6, where we see again and again the word to keep, to watch, to guard, to protect. He will not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not smite you by day with fierce heat, nor the moon by night with chilling temperatures. The Lord will protect. And that's the same word, keep. He will protect you from all evil. Let's look at why he is our willing keeper. He's more than willing. And here's why. Number one, he never sleeps. He never sleeps. Look again in these verses, verses 3 and 4, 
Slumber is mentioned twice. Sleep is mentioned once. Listen, we've got a security guard that never falls asleep on watch, okay? Ever been a security guard at night? I have. It is hard to stay awake. Well, guess what? He never sleeps. We have a bodyguard that never takes a break. We have a guardian who is always protecting. He never sleeps or slumbers. Now, here's the, the two differences between these words. Slumber, mentioned twice, is like a cat nap. It's where you nod off and miss something important, uh, miss something important that had happened quickly. You know, it's like when you go, what, what, what was that? What was that? It's basically what I do every Sunday watching TV after church, right? You just kind of slumber. You're just always kind of what, what, what? Or it's how my wife watches every movie that we watch together. She slumbers. What, what? What, what, what just happened? Well, I don't know. You've been slumbering. And then she wakes up. Now, sleep is different. Sleep is the deep sleep. So you got the cat nap and you got the deep sleep where you put the do not disturb sign out and you can't be wakened. I mean, people can shout in your face. You can nudge them and they just won't wake up. What do we call people like that? They are dead to the world when you're sleeping like that. Now, I don't know if this happened this week at camp, but I know I've been at camp where in the morning, counselors gather at breakfast and they all talk about how the alarms continually go off, but no one wakes up except for the counselors, okay? People are sleeping, not slumbering. They are in a deep sleep. Well, listen, our Lord is not like that. Our Lord keeps us and he never catnaps and he never is in a deep sleep where you have to shout and shout to try to wake him up. Back in World War II, the Germans were bombing London all night, every night. And after one terrible attack, the people of London began to search through the rubble, looking for the dead and the wounded. And after a while, everyone had been accounted for but one old grandmother, a Mrs. Smith, because in London, there were a lot of Smiths. They searched everywhere for her. And finally, someone found her in her bedroom, fast asleep in her bed. They were shocked and they asked her, Mrs. Smith, how could you sleep with all those bombs going off all around you? And her answer was priceless. She says, well, the Bible says, he who keeps Israel never slumbers or sleeps. So I decided there was no use in both of us staying up. So I just went to sleep. And that's what happens. Listen, when the Lord is your keeper, because, I mean, think about this. Think about, we can stay up one night, we can stay up two nights, we can stay up three nights, we can stay up for a while, but eventually, normally, routinely, we must sleep. You ever think about that? You lay your head down and you know nothing of what's going on around you. You don't know anything. You can have all the alarm systems, but you still don't know. But our Lord never sleeps. He never sleeps. He's constantly keeping you. He's always willing to watch over you. That is a glorious thing. And because He never sleeps, He will never let us slip. Because He never sleeps, He will never let us sleep. slip. Look at verse 3. What does it mean, He will not allow your foot to slip? Well, it doesn't mean that you're never going to trip up in life. 
okay? It doesn't mean you're never going to fall into sin. The, the promise here is not that you're not going to stumble. You're not going to sometimes even fall, but you won't stay down. You won't permanently remain in sin. You won't be overcome by it. You will not forever be in bondage to it. The great Hall of Fame coach of the Packers, Vince Lombardi, said, it's not whether you get knocked down, it's whether you get up. And world champion boxer Muhammad Ali said, you don't lose it, you don't lose if you get knocked down, you lose if you stay down. You see, getting knocked down in life, it's a given. But giving, but getting up and moving forward, that's the choice. And we have a willing keeper who will help you make the choice to keep on keeping on even when you mess up, even when you sin, even if you sin repeatedly. But as you pick yourself up in the power of the Spirit, confess your sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Why? Because He's a willing keeper. He is a willing keeper. For the true believer, the journey always ends well, even if it doesn't always go well. We will trip. We will fall. I remember uh, thinking about the mountains and hiking there. We Love as a family to go to the Grand Teton National Park. Uh, I went there for my senior year. I took my wife there on our honeymoon, and then we had to take Amber there so she could experience. And so the three of us were climbing up a hill. It had a lot of rock and gravel on the hill, and we wanted to see the mountain range from the top with the sun coming down. And so we made our way up as a family. We took our pictures, and we were coming back down. And Amber's the mountain goat in the family, so she's scurrying down, and I'm determined to keep up with her, and we're going down, rocks kind of sliding a little bit, and as we're going down, all of a sudden we hear kind of like an avalanche of rock, and we turn around, and it's all quiet, and there's a woman lying there holding a little sagebrush on the side of the mountain with her feet hanging down, and there's our, my wife, just not saying anything, just hanging on for dear life. It was the funniest thing. And uh, uh, it, there was no getting up there, so she made her way down. I don't know what happened, but here's the principle, of, uh, besides being a funny story. Here's the point. The Lord is our sagebrush. And when you trip, when you slip, you hang on to Him. And you hang on to Him like dear life, that if I don't, I'm going all the way down, because that is the reality. Another time in Colorado, we were hiking, and an older lady was hiking along uh, near us, and her foot slipped on the trail, and, and she took a nasty fall. Her pants were ripped, her knees were bloodied, her face was cut, but she was prepared. She had a first aid kit, and she had a traveling companion, and others quickly came to her aid. Our God is like that. He's always willing to help us when we do slip so that we don't fall so as to stay down. In other words, as a believer, you, know, you never have to say, I've fallen and I can't get up. 
Instead, you say, my help comes from the Lord, and He is a willing keeper who never slips and will not let my foot... He never sleeps and will not let my foot slip. And the reason for that is, thirdly, He is always by our side. He is always by our side. Look at verses 5 and 6. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. On your right hand, the sun will not smite you by day, nor the moon by night. Now, what does it mean he is your shade on your right hand? Well, shade implies shadow. The Lord is always right there by your right hand. That right hand of power, when your right hand is weak, he is there to offer shade to you to offer protection to you. When you are weak, His strength is there to protect you and to watch over you. Shadows are always with you wherever you go. Have you ever watched a kid try to run away from their own shadow? It's hilarious because wherever they go, or they get freaked out about their shadow, and they're like trying to get away from them, they can't. You can't get away from the Lord when you are His. He is there. Therefore, The Lord will not let your foot slip. The sun will not smite you. The moon will not freeze you. Yea, though I walk through the shadow of the valley of death, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We've seen the Lord as the greatest guardian. Why? Because He's always ready to help. He's always willing to keep. But thirdly, The Lord is our able protector. He is our able protector. Look at verse 7. The Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your soul. A couple things I want you to see here. First of all, the Lord is more than able to protect you because He is able to protect us from all evil. All evil. Notice what it says. All evil. Now here, I want you to keep in mind two truths, and I have them in your notes. Even when evil seems to be winning over you, fix your faith firmly on the coming king, on his coming kingdom, on his coming judgment, on his coming deliverance. Fix your faith on that. When it seems that evil is overcoming you, cast your eyes not on your sin, not on your weakness, but on Him, on Him. In other words, just like slipping, evil may seem to be overwhelming you, but the reality is that He is your shade and He is your protector and He is able to protect you and keep you and guard you through all evil. When I think about that idea, I think of Stephen, the first martyr, in the book of Acts, the first Christian martyr. And as he was being stoned to death by evil men, who included Saul of Tarsus, our ascended Lord stood up from his throne in heaven and made sure that this dying martyr saw him and knew his death would work a greater victory, that his death would enter him into Jesus' very presence. Now, why did Jesus stand? I think it's for two reasons. Number one, Stephen st- or Jesus stood to reassure Stephen 
that he was ready to welcome him home. Yeah, I know you're suffering, and it really hurts. I can't imagine what being stoned to death feels like. But even though you're going through this, I stand to welcome you home. But I think he also stood as a warning that one day as I sit here, I will stand in judgment and everyone who threw every stone will pay unless they come to me for forgiveness. That's the promise. He will protect you from all evil. Therefore, never forget, evil triumphs for a time, but is defeated in the end. It is defeated. Think of the life of Job, how much suffering he went through. Human enemies, natural disaster, spiritual attack, judgmental friends, and a less than encouraging wife. But in the end, Job's foot did not slip. And the Lord protected him through it all, and in the all, offered him double back. You see, the Lord, in his suffering, Job let his mouth slip, but his foot never slipped. His heart never slipped. Secondly, he's able to secure our whole lives, our whole lives. Look at verse 7 again. He will keep your soul. He will keep your soul. That word soul or life is important because it encompasses the whole person. The Psalms speak to you as a whole person. Whether you're aging and facing death or sickness, whether you're young and confused and wondering where your purpose is and what your identity is, we have a helper, we have a keeper, we have a protector who is always by our side. Listen, he cares about your gender confusion. He cares about your sense of purposelessness. He cares about every aspect of who you are, not just the spiritual, but the emotional and the physical. He cares. And we as a church are here to remind one another that he cares about those things. Can I get an amen? Be encouraged. Be encouraged. Not only will the Lord protect us from all evil and secure our whole lives, but thirdly, he's able to guard us every moment, now and forever. Look at verse 8. Here's how the psalm ends. The Lord will guard or keep, same word, it has different shades of meaning. The Lord will guard your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forever. Now, what in the world does going out and coming in. Sometimes we get phrases like that, and we're like, what mysterious meaning is that? And really, it's very basic. It means whatever you're doing at any moment of any day, when you go out, wherever you go, and when you come back, whatever's going on in your home, the idea is your daily walk. He will protect you in your daily walk. But this phrase, going out and coming in, in the Bible is also used of warfare, of kings going to war. It's a reminder that life is a battle and there is battles to be fought, but you have a protector. And this going out and coming in is also views of worshiping and going to Jerusalem, going and coming back. Daily walk, daily warfare, daily worship. We have a protector. Every moment of your life, 
is a spiritual journey to the coming kingdom. And we have a God. Our help comes from the Lord, the greatest guardian of the galaxy, who guards the godly like no other. And he is ready, willing, and able to be your helper, your keeper, and your protector. But who is this guardian of the galaxy? It's the Lord. It's Yahweh, the triune God that our young people learned about this week. It's the God, the Father, who sent His Son to die in our place because He lived the life we could never live. And He paid the debt that we owed but could never pay. He sent His Son who rose from the dead who has ascended to his right hand and then sent his Holy Spirit so that he could be ever present with us to enable us, to protect us, to help us. So let me ask you this morning, who is your helper? Who is your keeper? Who is your protector? Who do you call when you're in need? But you need to understand this, the guardian of the galaxy protects those who are his. He protects the godly. And before you say, oh my God, that cancels me out, I want to encourage you, that cancels everyone out. There's not a godly person in this room or on this planet who by their own goodness, their own works, their own sufferings, their own striving has been good enough for God. And that's why we need Jesus. That's why He is our help. The Lord is my help. Where does my help come from? My help comes from me and the Lord? No, the Lord. My help comes from me trying to help out the Lord to help me? No, the help comes from the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, who was sent for this reason. So I ask you this morning, If you don't have Jesus as your protector, your guardian, your helper, then admit your guilt to him this morning and accept his gift. Turn from your sin and trust in him as your savior. He can save you. He can keep you. He can guard you. He can help you. But you have to admit, I can't, but you can It's beautiful. 1 Peter 1.5 says this in the ESV. By God's power, we are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. New King James, we are kept by the power of God. New American Standard, we are being protected by the power of God through faith. You see, all the concepts are there, and it's in Christ Jesus. So where does our help come from? Turn to the guardian of the galaxy, the greatest, the only guardian this morning. And he is ready, willing, and able to deliver you, not just once, but every day. And not just in the good times, but in the hardest of times. And he will take you to his kingdom, into his presence, with his people, And there, the joy we sang about will be experienced. Let's pray. And as we pray, 
Cry out to Him this morning. Cry out to Him if you don't know Him. And He will reveal Himself to you. If you want help with that, take the connection card and fill it out. And speak to us or put the card back. We'll follow up with you. Whatever it is, we want to help you this morning. Father God, you alone are our refuge and strength. You, through your Son and by your Spirit, are a very present help in time of need. Help us as a people this morning. Deliver those who need you as their Savior this morning. Help them to repent of their inability and to receive your divine ability to be not only forgiven, but made righteous in you. Jesus, you are the guardian of the galaxy, our creator and our redeemer and our protector. We pray for our students who have returned from camp. May they now call out to you as they face the mountains, as they might enter a valley already having returned home. And may they keep following you, knowing that you are ready, willing, and able. Therefore, Lord, we will not fear. Though the earth may tremble, though the waters may rise, Lord, we will sing this song of ascent. We will keep singing because our Messiah reigns. In the name of the Father and the Son, in the Holy Spirit, all God's people said, Amen.